On today's episode, rumors continue to swirl surrounding forward Alex DeBrinkett with a handful of teams reportedly interested in a trade with the Blackhawks. I'll also be going over Philip Kurashev's 2021-2022 season recap. And then to wrap things up, per usual, to start off the week will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, June 13th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please go and show some support first by following the podcast which will only take a quick couple of seconds, literally just a quick click of the button, will help me out tremendously. Go and leave the show five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, then feel free to go and leave me a review as well. I always greatly appreciate getting feedback from all of my tremendous listeners out there. Go take a couple of seconds and give me a review. I would greatly appreciate it. And best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version right now of today's episode, then you got to be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Because if you haven't gotten the memo already, somehow, folks, each and every episode moving forward through the rest of the summer into training camp this fall is going to have a video attached to it as well. So if you haven't done so yet, please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. I would greatly appreciate all the help that I can get. I'm really trying to keep boosting those numbers up. Also, go and smash the like button for me down below as well and comment as to what grade you think Blackhawks forward Philip Kershev deserves for his performance this season. And last, also be sure to go and ring the bell, go and turn on those push notifications so that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, good morning, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start off your week. I hope everybody, everybody enjoyed a lovely weekend. We had some fantastic weather. I hope you spent it with friends and family and had a good time over the weekend. But back to reality a little bit here on Monday. Always tough to start off the week. But real quick, before I get into the show today, folks, I got to remind you all that today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online, which is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games here in 2022. Bet Online, where the game begins. All right, to open things up this morning, first I wanted to start off, I wanted to kind of just pick up right where I left off on the last episode, which was talking about the recent trade rumors surrounding Chicago Blackhawks superstar Alex DeBrinkett. And in case some of you out there live under a rock and somehow 
uh, aren't up to date on some of the latest news. Last week, TSN's Elliot Friedman reported that Alex Dabrinka was the number one player available this offseason, according to him. He compiled a list of 20 to 30 players or so who are speculated to be on the trade market. And at the top of that list was none other than Alex Dabrinkit. And after that, we also heard from uh, an article by Scott Powers and Shayna Goldman that said one team source told them that he doesn't see Dabrinkit finishing next season with the Blackhawks. He's either going to get moved this offseason or at next year's trade deadline. So, all of that, folks, by the way, Friedman also stated, uh, or my bad, it, it was, yes, it was, was it Friedman or was it Frank Saravalli? It was Frank Saravalli. Uh, pardon me, it was not Elliot Friedman. Those two are the gurus, if you will, of breaking hockey news, so that's why they're easy to confuse. But Saravalli posted that to Brinkett was the number one player available this offseason. He also said it looks like a matter of when, not if that DeBrinkett is going to get dealt. So Blackhawks fans out there, I know it's a tough pill to swallow, but this is kind of a realization that we all got to come to, that Alex DeBrinkett, it seems more than likely at this point that he's not going to be with the Chicago Blackhawks by the end of next season. There's a lot of things that go into it, right? Because when this news first broke, understandably so, a lot of Blackhawks fans were like, what the heck? Why would we try to trade Alex DeBrinkett, one of the only players that actually has, you know, superstar upside. He's already a superstar, a two-time 40 goal scorer. He's still relatively young in his career. One of the pieces it seems like we could actually build around here in Chicago. Why would we want to go and trade him? Well, a couple things tie into that. First, while Debrinket, you know, he, he's only making $6.1 million right now, he's going to he's going to qual- uh, need a qualifying offer of at least $9 million when that deal expires at the end of next season. And the Blackhawks, now that they're, you know, they're going to have financial wiggle room, but giving Debrinket that big contract kind of could potentially limit the other things that they want to do throughout this rebuilding process. And, you know, they're about to get, well, based on the news that we've heard recently on Taves and Kane as well, they're probably going to have both those players off the books, assuming that they're moving them. Uh, according to uh, another team source, the Blackhawks reportedly would be willing to eat half of Kane and Dabrinka's contracts to move on from them. Also, they'd have to waive those no-movement clauses. But you trade a player like Dabrinka, I think it's more likely that both of those two are, are going to be willing to do that. So with those contracts looking like they're going to come off the book, do the Blackhawks want to dish out another nine-plus million right away to Alex Dabrinkit? I mean, like I said, it's not going to break the bank, but it could tie their hands a little bit more than Kyle Davidson in the front office would like. So that's one thing that goes into it. I think the more important factor here, though, is Alex Dabrinkit's 24 years old, and the Blackhawks are on this path where they're probably not going to be competitive for three to five years down the road, right? And that's probably, I mean, given how thin this prospect pool is, Blackhawks, really their best chance of turning things around is drafting successfully in the early rounds over the next few years. And once, you know, it it takes a while for those players to develop. You don't want to go with the Stan Bowman route and rush them immediately to the NHL. We obviously saw where that's gotten us right now. So didn't, didn't work out so well. So with three to five years, probably more so five years being kind of an ideal timeline of when the Blackhawks would like to open up that window again, Brinkett's already going to be pushing 30 years old at that point. And who knows? You know, it's hard to tell exactly. I mean, sure, it looks like Alex Brinkett's going to continue to be a fantastic player for a long, long time in this league. 
But once you push 30, you never really know what's going to happen. And Dabrinkit is a, a pretty fast player, but with the league getting faster and faster, as he gets older and older, you know, if things continue to progress that way from the NHL standpoint, it's going to be harder for him to keep up as he gets older. So that's one thing that goes into it as well. And I've talked about this many times. I don't want the Blackhawks to trade Alex Dabrinkit. I mean, I really do think he it's going to be hard for them to get another player or two who can do the things that he does well, right? Already a proven 40 goal scorer. And those don't just grow on trees, folks. It's hard to find 40 goal scorers in the NHL. Um, I don't want the Blackhawks to trade him. It's going to be a very, very sad day if that day, in fact, comes. But if they want to start fresh, I mean, I understand it. It's not, obviously, as a fan, it's not the preferred route I want them to go. but you know, it, it does make sense because clearly what they have right now has not been working for some time. Even if you keep on Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit, like I already mentioned, they're going to be much older into their careers once this team is ideally trying to be competitive again. So I get it. And if you can get an absolute haul for Dabrinkit, like if you give, if someone gives Kyle Davidson an offer like Tampa Bay did for Brandon Hagel, where he just can't say no, I think he may have to do it. And at that point, if you move Dabrinkit, you know, you might as well move on from Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, too. We also have reports that Dominic Kubalik and Dylan Strom are pretty likely not going to be re-signed at this point. So if Dabrinkit falls, it's probably going to be an all-out. I don't want to call it a fire sale because it's not like the Blackhawks are going to be giving away players for free or selling them for pennies on the dollar or anything. But all their star players, realistically, aside from Seth Jones, probably, because no one's going to want to take on that contract. The rest of the players on the roster are probably up for grabs, up for other teams, you know, to go and make a good offer and they'll be able to nab them. That just kind of seems like the situation we've now found ourselves in, folks. Uh, but as it relates to Debrinket, I did want to mention that in the past couple of days, there have been some teams that have uh, reportedly been interested in acquiring the cat from Chicago. One of those teams, no surprise at all, is the New Jersey Devils, who have also had some trade rumors surrounding them in the past few weeks. They got the number two overall pick in this year's draft. They got a ton of cap room. They do have some young talent and a pretty deep prospect pool. So it, it would make sense for them both financially and in terms of their roster build to maybe make a move for the cat. Uh, but the other teams, according to David Pagnota of the fourth period, uh, that are interested in trading for Dabrinkit right now are the Los Angeles Kings, the New York Islanders, and the Philadelphia Flyers. And look, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of more teams reaching out about Dabrinkit. I mean, there's there's not just going to be four teams interested in acquiring him. A lot of teams are going to be interested, but with the contract that he's going to draw, there are only going to be a handful of teams that can actually afford him and have the ability to give the Blackhawks what they want back in return. So, these are the four teams that kind of appear to be in the mix right now. I do think, by and large, New Jersey is probably the most likely situation. They just have the most cap space. They have the most to offer back to the Blackhawks. I, I think it really does make sense for Chicago and New Jersey to be talking mm -hmm. about Alex Dabrinkit. The other team up here that makes a lot of sense to me would be the Los Angeles Kings because they've put together, I mean, they made it to game seven against the Edmonton Oilers in the first round. And I don't think anyone expected the Los Angeles Kings to put the, together the year that they did. I mean, they might've been the biggest surprise in the Stanley cup playoffs, but they have a lot of young talent. I mean, a lot of guys who are really just starting to step onto the scene. 
that could be very interesting for the Blackhawks as well, because their prospect pool is really talented and has been for some time. And some of these youngsters really are just making their first mark on the NHL, and they already qualified for the postseason next year. So getting a legit goal scorer like Dabrinkit, the offensive side of things is probably where they're the weakest. Um, the defense and the goaltending for them this year was was really fantastic. Even in the playoffs without Drew Doughty, they held their own against an elite Oilers offense. So I think Los Angeles is probably another team that seems uh, fit to be in the running to trade for Dabrinkit. They got the pieces to do so. They also got some cap wiggle room. So those two, them and the New Jersey Devils, I think are the teams that would make the most sense in trading for Dabrinkit. The Islanders and the Flyers, they do got some young pieces, but they're not as attractive, I would say, as uh, New Jersey and Philadelphia's could potentially be. So I'd probably put the Islanders and the Flyers behind both the Kings and the Devils right now. But I'm sure there are going to be more teams giving good old Kyle Davidson a call and uh, seeing what they could what they could do to try and take Alex to brink it off his hands. So uh, it's only going to pick up, folks. The drama and the intensity is only going to pick up as we start getting into the crucial stretch of the offseason for the NHL. Even though it's sad, it is going to be an exciting time to see, you know, what the Blackhawks could potentially net in return for Debrinket. And I'll be sure to keep all of you up to date right here on Lockdown Blackhawks on all the latest Alex Debrinket news. All right, that takes care of some of the current rumors surrounding Alex Debrinket's future with the Chicago Blackhawks. Coming up in just a minute, I will get into forward Philip Kershev's 2021-2022 season recap segment. But first, I need to talk to you all about Athletic Greens and their new AG1 product, which is one scoop of AG1. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and more to help you start your day. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and your aging. And Athletic Greens was first created when the founder experienced a ton of of gut issues themselves and ended up on a complicated supplement routine in order to recover. And that used to cost them $100 per day. But now Athletic Greens has an optimal and affordable nutrition routine that costs you less than $3 per day, which is such a cheap way to properly invest in your health and your body. And I'm not kidding, folks. I actually try to make sure I get my one scoop of AG1 each and every morning. You know, before I do the show, I actually had one this morning. It's kind of kind of a replacement for a coffee. It really gets the juices flowing early on in the morning and gets me right mentally before I got to do this show. And I also make sure I have at least one scoop before I go golfing each and every time because when I'm out there on the course, I want to be dialed. I don't want to have any excuses. I want to make sure I'm locked in and can hit the best shot possible. It just gives me that extra boost that I need in order to get myself going in the mornings. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network right now. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Real quick, before I get into segment two, I have a quick favor to ask of you all. We've put together a survey at the Lockdown Podcast Network so that 
uh, so that we can learn more about listeners like you and to make your favorite Lockdown Podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Lockdown Podcasts. So go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long. And everyone that completes this quick survey, plus if you go and leave my show a review with a comment and your name through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, then you'll qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. So please go and tw- take this quick survey. It'll take literally less than a minute. Also, go and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and be sure to drop your name in the comment box down below because if you win, I want to be sure I'll be able to contact you. And if you do win, you'll get one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. It's a free $100 to go to a couple different sporting events. I mean, come on. It's so it's so easy. Please go and take the survey. Please go and leave me a review. It'll only take a quick couple seconds and thank you all for your help. All right, enough of that. Getting into segment two now today, it's time to get into Blackhawks forward Philip Kurashev's 2021-2022 season recap segment. And for Kurashev, I kind of felt like um, his season was a lot like a lot of Blackhawks players this year. And honestly, like uh, the team in its entirely entirety, I should say, it was a little bit of a roller coaster ride that, you know, certainly had its share of frustrating moments lots lots of ups and downs ups and downs and really no consistency at all because at times for Kurashev you know we'd see flashes of this 22 year old kid showing off the wheels I think his speed is probably the biggest skill set that he has right now he'd go out there and you know blow by a defender or something to make a play happen in the offensive zone he'd give us a little piece of that offensive skill set, and we'd be like, wow, where, where's this Philip Kershev been for the last two months? And then, you know, after that, he'd go completely invisible for like a 10-game t- stretch or something along those lines. Uh, all in all, you know, it probably wasn't – we probably didn't get the exact type of progression that we would want to see out of Philip Kershev in his second NHL season. But one thing I always try to keep in mind is he is still only 22 years old, and he also was a fourth-round pick back in the 2018 NHL draft. I think people kind of forget that because from 2019 to 2020, even last year, like Philip Kershev was really hyped up to potentially be the best forward in the Blackhawks' pipelines. And, you know, I, I think that more so was a indication of how thin the Blackhawks forward prospect pool really was not really a knock on Philip Kershev because I do think he can be a solid NHL player one day it's just you got to remember he's still very young and wasn't even supposed to be an NHL or probably at this point of his career like I, I believe if I have this correct out of all the players who were drafted later than the second round in the 2018 NHL draft Philip Kershev is the only one to have 100 games of NHL action already under their belt so that's definitely kind of one thing to take into consideration when looking at Kershev's season. Most players that were taken in that round aren't even up at the NHL level yet, and a lot of them probably won't ever be NHLers. So take that with a grain of salt and realize the Blackhawks probably got a good one here in Philip Kershev for being a fourth-round pick. Uh, but looking at some of the numbers that Philip Kershev had this season, he played in 67 games this year, which was a career high, but Uh, it's not really saying all that much considering, like I said, this was just his second NHL season. Uh, But in those 67 games, he did go on to tally 21 points, 
more than he had as a rookie. And uh, it was five more points than he had as a rookie in a little bit less games. But the one thing I will say, he only scored six goals in those 67 games. It was not a very successful year for Kershev in terms of finding the back of the net. And I went and I looked at some of his game logs to see kind of how all this broke down. And it was exactly as I remembered it, a full-blown roller coaster ride for Philip Kershev's goal scoring. He opened up the year with no goals in the first 21 games of the season. Then he proceeded to have three goals in his next 10 games. So finally got things started a little bit. And then he went on to finish the year with only three goals in his final 35 contests. So he basically had uh, a stretch of scoring three goals in 56 games this year. We, we definitely need him to be a bit more consistent in that area moving forward. Although I do think he's probably more likely to be, I don't think he's ever going to be a top six piece, but hey, he, he's still only 22 years old and crazier things have happened. I think he's more so of a middle six, probably a third liner on a good team. Um, but I do think he has better playmaking skills than sniping skills. Like I think he's a better all around player than he is just a goal scorer. I don't, I don't even know if we're going to ever see him. I mean, he could score 20, but I don't see him ever really pushing to get into the thirties or the forties or anything like that. So I think he's more so of an all around offensive player. I think that's why, you know, the speed is probably his greatest asset because that'll help him create some open space and hopefully he'll, he'll be able to work on the vision, the passing abilities to set up teammates more frequently. Uh, but I still think at the end of the day, he's got to be scoring more than six goals in 67 games. I mean, come on. I get the Blackhawks offense was terrible, and he really wasn't getting that many looks with the skilled players. Uh, but six goals in 57 games, we just need him to be more consistent in that department moving forward. Some other stats I want to talk about for Kershev, only two power play goals this year, which I think you can kind of look at the, this both ways, obviously, we'd like to see him do more on the man advantage, but I've talked about it plenty of times when doing season recaps. Other than Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett, no other Blackhawks really had a strong year on the man advantage, and I think that tells you how much work the power play as a whole really needs. Like Whoever comes in and takes over behind the bench for the Blackhawks has to make sure that this power play gets better and that they're able to open up more scoring opportunities for different players, not just Kane and DeBrinkett. And also that second unit has to be better. Like, I don't know if they basically had no role at all this year. They get like 30 seconds, if that, on each power play. But we just need to be able to do more when our top guns aren't rolling. So Kershev's part of that. There's a lot of young players who are part of that as well. I'm not going to judge them too harshly for being this bad on the man advantage this, this past season because, it, I mean, it was their fault, but it wasn't any one player in particular's fault. The whole group struggled, as I said, other than Patrick Kane and Alex to bring it. Also, Kershev only shot 7% this year, which is dreadful. Getting into the Kirby Doc numbers, just not finding the back of the net as much uh, as often as we would like to see. He was getting shots on goal, um, but 7% was way down from what he shot as a rookie. Uh, hopefully that will just be kind of an outlier throughout his career because I do think Kershev has a good offensive game and certainly is more cap is capable of scoring more than six goals in 67 games. So uh, hopefully, you know, that's going to be maybe the worst output that we see of his career. Hopefully he won't be like a Kirby Doc, a 7.8% shooter throughout their career so far. Uh, but yeah, that, that's definitely, I think, one of the biggest areas that Kershev needs to work on this offseason is definitely his shot, especially when the Blackhawks need other players from down the lineup to score more frequently to help out this offense. 
Khrushchev also averaged 12 minutes and 51 seconds of time on ice, actually was down from his rookie year. And at the same time, though, you got to remember that the Blackhawks in that shortened 56-game season, Khrushchev was playing like top six minutes to start off the year. That was when Jonathan Taves was still out. Uh, Dylan Strome wasn't being the same player that he was. Kirby Doc had that had that snap wrist. So Khrushchev was getting a, a pretty decent opportunity for the most part of his rookie year. I'm not too surprised to see that number drop down a little bit at 1251. I think that 12 to 14 minute range is probably what we can expect from him in the next couple of seasons, at least. Another interesting tidbit of Khrushchev's year, he only won 42.1% of his faceoffs, which obviously isn't good, but in comparison to his rookie year, he took a whole lot less draws. Only 121 faceoffs taken by Khrushchev this year, which tells me that the Blackhawks probably aren't looking at him being a center long term. Not to rule it out completely, I still think that could be in the cards. But so far, what we've seen, especially since Derek King took over, I don't know if he's going to be the permanent coach or not. I'd have to guess more than likely not. But Khrushchev seems like he's going to be playing on the wing more and more, unless whoever comes in decides to put him at center, uh, decides to put him back at center, I guess I should say. But it seems more likely that he's going to be on the wing. The Blackhawks, they're not deep at forward, but they do have some centers. It could change potentially with Jonathan Taves and uh, Dylan Strome potentially on the out. So maybe Khrushchev does see that jump, but he really hasn't had all that much success at the dot so far in his young career. But he has been better than Kirby Doc, I will say that. So I wouldn't completely rule out Khrushchev playing center in the future for the Blackhawks. Also, I wanted to talk about Khrushchev's defensive stats a little bit this year because while they weren't like jumping off the page, one thing I did find interesting was he had 24 takeaways to only 11 giveaways. And I know he wasn't probably playing with the puck a ton and he only averaged less than 13 minutes per game, but to only have 11 giveaways in 67 games I thought that was pretty impressive, and I think that goes to show you that Khrushchev uh, can be a decent puck handler and could be someone that the Blackhawks try to get more and more zone entries with because it appears he wasn't really coughing up the puck that much. And on the other side of things, 24 takeaways isn't a ton, but at least he had a, a positive ratio here in terms of takeaway to giveaway ratio. Not many Blackhawks did this season, so I thought that was one thing that stood out to me about Khrushchev's year. 24 takeaways. Only 11 giveaways in his 67 games this past season. Also, in terms of the analytics, Khrushchev had a 46.9 Corsi 4 percentage. I actually want to pull it up right now because I didn't get a good glance at how many goals he was on the ice for uh, compared to the goals against. I do want to pull those up. Look at me getting on it real quick. Khrushchev was on the ice for 30 goals, 4 to 40 against at 5 on 5 this season, which 40 goals against in 67 games. I've definitely seen worse when doing these season recaps. So, um, not, not terrible. I, I think, I don't think, you know, the defensive aspect is the bread and butter for Khrushchev by any means, but I think he is capable uh, of being a, a sturdy defensive player one day. Like it's not going to be a glaring weakness in his game. So I like what I've seen from that part playing in a third line, fourth line role this season. It's not like he was getting absolutely dominated out there or the opposition was scoring a ton of goals or anything like that. So I do think Khrushchev, you know, maybe the offense isn't going to be what we had hoped for, but if he can put together a really strong defensive game and you know he could be a staple of the third line and maybe the penalty kill one day down the road and the Blackhawks are going to need players like that all good teams have players like that up and down their lineup you know you got to build your team well-rounded and Blackhawks don't have a lot of good defensive-minded forwards other than a couple that they've signed on the fourth line 
Um, so I, I think Kershev could provide value to this team in different areas than potentially what we thought he could have when he first uh, signed on. So all in all, taking everything into consideration this year for Philip Kershev's season, offense wasn't particularly great. He was very streaky. He'd have stretches like five or six games where he'd be great, and then he'd go invisible, like I said, for 10 to 15 games or so. Um, The shooting percentage and the goal scoring definitely needs to go up. Uh, I think he has shown some promise on the defensive side of things at such a young age, and that's one thing you got to remember. Again, only 22 years old still. He was a fourth-round pick back in 2018. For him to be already having two NHL seasons under his belt, that's pretty darn impressive. So, all in all, I'm going to give Blackhawks forward Philip Kurashev a solid C for his performance this season for the Chicago Blackhawks. All right, that takes care of Philip Kurashev's 2021-2022 season recap segment. Coming up in just a minute, I still got to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. It's that time of the year again, folks, as baseball season is finally upon us. It's going to take over for the summer here pretty soon. And Bet Online has way more odds and info from game scores, totals, and player performance props. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all sports betting here in 2022. It's not just baseball, from the NBA and NHL playoffs esports, golf, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet online, where the game begins. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now today, before I let you all go and enjoy the rest of your Mondays, I still got to answer a couple of questions as part of our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. First question I wanted to answer today comes from at Lucas Reichel season, who's a longtime listener of the show. Thank you for all the support and thank you for always asking your questions to everyone. I always greatly appreciate that and I love interacting with all you fans out there. It's what really makes this show fun. So please continue to do so uh, to make this segment enjoyable. But the first question I got this week from Lucas Reichel season on Twitter asked prediction for our next head coach. Personally, I think it's um, a little bit too early for me to say who my ideal candidate is. I talked about this um, when, when going through the bet online odds of who the next Blackhawks head coach is going to be. I do. I think I, my my thing is there are so many names out there right now that it's all kind of speculation. Like the only ones that the Blackhawks really have ties to are Luke Richardson and Brad Shaw, who both reportedly have been requested for head coaching interviews by the Blackhawks. Other than that, it's just kind of a lot of names thrown at a dartboard right now. And there are a lot of names in there that I like, but I also think more so than that, that there's already names that we can already kind of cross off, right? Like John Tortorella, that's... I. Don't think that's going to happen. Bruce Cassidy, I don't see it. Uh, Barry Trotz, I don't see it. Pete DeBoer could be the dark horse of that group, but all those three coaches are winners. They're all guys who have had success. They've coached in Stanley Cup finals recently. I just don't see them coming onto the Blackhawks to sign on for three to five years of pain before actually becoming good again. 
Uh, Mike Babcock was someone who was just ridiculously thrown into the mix. That would be horrible. Rick Tockett, I do think, is an intriguing one, but I still kind of see that being an outsider. And the reason I kind of say that is because for the Blackhawks, I think we are going to see some outside-the-box type candidates given their current situation. Hence why, you know, Brad Shaw is someone who's been requested for a head coaching interview. Luke Richardson. Not to say that they aren't, you know, quality candidates or anything. I really do believe that, especially Luke Richardson after I talked with Scott Matla, the host of Lockdown Canadians. By the way, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, be sure to go and do so once this wraps up because I talked with Scott Matla, as I said, who's one half of the Lockdown Canadians podcast. And he gave me some really awesome insight on Luke Richardson, his tendencies, what type of guy he is, the roles that he had in Montreal, whether or not he's ready to be an NHL head coach. Lots of good stuff in that chat with Scott. So please make sure to go and check that out once this episode wraps up here shortly. Um, but yeah, I think I kind of, kind of want to wait and see. I have a feeling that the Blackhawks like their GM search. I have a feeling that they're going to list like their top six candidates. And then based on those, I think I'll be able to provide a better accurate depiction of who exactly I want to be in there. Um, but what I will say is I, I do really believe Luke Richardson is an interesting candidate and also a really good fit for what the Blackhawks need right now. Uh, if there was a veteran coach out there who who I think could be actually in the race, Jim Montgomery for the St. Louis Blues is someone who I, I think would be, you know, a, a good fit. It all comes down to whether or not he'd want to sign on for that rebuild. But to get a head coaching job in this league again, it might be a situation that he can't pass up. Also coaching for an original six franchise in a city like Chicago could be enticing as well. Um, so I'm kind of going to let things progress a little bit more because there's just so many names out there right now. And I kind of want to see that list get condensed a little bit before I say who my ideal candidate is or provide an actual prediction. Cause right now it's really just throwing darts at a dartboard. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe not the answer that you were looking for, but uh, that's how I personally feel about the topic right now. The second question I wanted to answer on the show here today comes from at Sloan Cole on Twitter, who asked, what do you think the ideal package is for Alex to Yeah, this has been something that <laughs> it's been a debate on Twitter basically ever since the Debrinket news broke a few days back. Uh, but for me personally, I talked earlier in the show how I think New Jersey is a, a really good fit. And if it is New Jersey, I think the conversation has to start with the number two overall pick and the 2023 first round pick unprotected, unprotected. If you want Alex to New Jersey, if you want a 40-goal scorer, a two-time 40-goal scorer, a young superstar at 24 years old, get this through your heads. You're going to have to give up something you don't want to give up. That's how the trade world works. Look, Stan Bowman isn't in charge anymore. We're not going to butcher this one. And look what type of deal it took just to get Brandon Hagel off of the Blackhawks' hands. Like We got two first-round picks, Taylor Radish, who could look like a really solid player, and a bottom-six guy in Boris Kachuk. I think that set the bar pretty high of what Kyle Davidson wants for some of his star players. And one thing I've also mentioned, yeah, Alex Dabrinkit is available. We're not going to give him up for Scott free. It's going to be 100%. He, it will come down to the highest bidder. Who is going to give the Blackhawks the best offer for Alex Dabrinkit? And if New Jersey wants him, I think they have the pieces to do so. And in my opinion, the conversation has to at least start with the second overall pick this year and a first-round pick unprotected next year. You're probably going to have to throw in either I was thinking a second or a third round pick in there too, or another solid prospect. Nolan Foote, he was another one that came to mind potentially. I know they wouldn't want to part ways with him, but 
This is where we're at right now. They're giving us the second and a 2023rd unprotected first, which, by the way, the reason I want it unprotected is because even if the Devils do go and land to Brinkett next year, I don't think they're immediately ready to take a step and jump into the NHL playoffs. Like, yeah, crazier things have happened, but I still think they'd be a right around a, a bottom 10 to bottom 15 team in the league, and that would give the Blackhawks a third first-round pick in the 2023. Three NHL draft. That's the type of draft that can really change your franchise. And hopefully the Devils will be even worse than that. And the Blackhawks could give themselves maybe two picks inside the top 10. So I think that's an ideal start for the package return. But like I said, New Jersey's going to have to give us something else in there as, as well because Kyle Davidson's going to have to be wowed. That's what it's going to take to get Alex to bring it off of the Blackhawks' hands. I think New Jersey's the best team to uh potentially give us that type of offer we'll have to see what other teams are offering as well but uh i think for new jersey's situation number two in a 2023 first is probably the ideal package for other teams it's multiple first round picks and prospects that's where you got to start that's absolutely what it's going to take to land a player of the caliber of alex to in my mind all right folks i think that is going to wrap up monday June 13th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks right now, wherever you get your podcasts and go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news and updates ahead of the Stanley Cup final between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter, at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Talkin Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show or to the Blackhawks, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you could call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.